Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode number two, and that means this thing is real. We are going. My name is Luke. And my name is Mike. And, man, we, hey, we have a, a website. We have, we're on iTunes. We got the podcast. This thing's going, Mike. I got to tell you, man, it's it's weird to realize that two weeks ago we sat down and, and had this epic conversation about Dungeons & Dragons, and now we have like a logo and a website and all this crazy stuff. And, and a whole lot it, more that we will uh, we'll tell you about as the episode goes well, on. It, we don't want to tell everything right up front because then everyone will stop listening. That's true. That's true. But folks, we do have a website and it is, lo and behold, GameStoreProfits.com. You can also go to iTunes and search for GameStoreProfits and uh, subscribe there and listen to us each and every two weeks, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but every other week. And uh, let's see, you can uh, you can find us on Facebook now, too. So you can go to Facebook. Right now you have to search, though. Did you know that, Mike? Yeah, you do have to search, but at the same point, uh, if you search for Game Store Profits and just go over to the Pages button, it's the only one on there. I've done it four times myself to make sure that it works. <laughs> so here's the thing. We can't have Facebook.com slash Game Store Profits until we have 25 fans. Yeah, I know. So they, let's they bring the of... fans, folks. Come on, come check us out. People need to sign up and make us awesome because without you, we are just two lonely guys talking basically Into the like, oh, back in the day, like when we were in basements talking over, you know, you Mountain know, I'm from Dew California. And... <laughs> I never had a basement. Oh, uh, see, no, we had the garages. basement, the basement experience. Like, I'm from New Jersey. And so the basement experience, it started with me playing Magic the Gathering in my basement. Uh, well, speaking of Magic the Gathering, we thought today we would talk about uh, some games. Last time we talked about... We talked about the, the game, game last time. Dungeons and Dragons. Now, here's the thing, Mike. I love D&D. But let's be honest. It's a little bit noob unfriendly. Even no, with you... even with D&D 4, it's still hard. You have you to need, you, gotta... you need someone you need a guide to bring you into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. If you have if you don't have that guide to bring you in, you're you're not. Yeah, and if you're not the kind of person who like I am, will be happy to sit down and read a 200-page manual. It's hard to get into the game. I, I it, like it reading 200-page manuals. This makes me happy. But I can imagine... I was that... about to say, I remember a time when I'm listening to Guys Can Read, the other podcast that you do, and I'm hearing you talk about the fact that you didn't do much reading because you were looking up Warhammer <laughs> oh, well, no. Okay, the Warhammer instruction book is like 500 pages. That sucker is huge. <laughs> but I thought that today we could talk about some games that might be a little bit easier for, say, wives and girlfriends and cousins and brothers and... Random uh, people random who folks enjoy playing things to get into, and so we thought we'd talk about some board games and some card games. The, today. I mean, this a lot of people give a lot of flack for board games, uh, just because you know it's the kind of thing that you do when you're the power's out and you're 12 years old and your family's looking for something to do to occupy you so you don't go nuts. But I, I have to say, Luke, we were talking about this as we were planning on doing this after we got done recording the last episode. And we were talking about the fact that there are a lot of games that have really uh, affected us and really have stuck with us and games that we still play today. And even if we don't necessarily play them all the time, there are games that we still, if, if you put it in front of us, we're like like kids again, dying to get into this. 
Well, I think, though, that, that maybe some folks think we're talking about the games we played as kids. And maybe we kind of are, in a some way. Of the, you, can't, you can't get away from the classics. You know, I mean, but, but when, I don't think we're talking about Monopoly and the Game of Life and... No, uh, no, no. Uh, Boggle no, no, and no. Uh, what's the one with the thing that you hit in the middle? I don't remember. Trouble? Trouble. Trouble. There it was. Yes, my <laughs> sister and I had epic wars over the, Trouble. The, the Popomatic Bubble? <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. Oh, I remember. But we're talking about a different class of games. We're talking about the games that you find at the friendly local game store that cost way more than you think board games should ever cost. Mm-hmm. And Sadly. that have like ten thousand parts and uh do take a little bit of getting into. So, Mike, I, I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but do you play boutique designer board games? I adore them. I collect them. Oh, um, you're a collector, huh? Well, I, I don't collect board games so much because, as you said, they can tend to be a little bit on the expensive side. A little bit? They're it, a lot on the it, expensive it, side. I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I was trying to be easy on them. Uh, no, I, I would collect board games. I would have a closet full of them if I could afford them. However, the budget does not allow for such things. However, there may be a few. There are a few. I will... I. I Anybody who's listening to this is probably has some kind of general knowledge of the games that are out there, and if I say this one, I'm sure that everyone will shout for joy, and those who haven't probably have heard of it on the wind. Uh, it's Settlers of Catan. That's the one. Settlers of Catan. I think probably the crossover game. I, I have met people who play hardcore games, who just love games and just salivate over them, Talk about Catan, and I've seen people who, you know, tiny little people who just like, oh, we're playing a board game today? Excellent! Oh, Catan, I've heard of that one. So it really does span just this entire audience of people, because it's it's completely replayable, it's just amazing fun, and I have to say that it it's downright violent at times. <laughs> We had at at the, the best time men flying across the room. Oh yeah, no. Uh, we actually we had standing rules. I, you know, we've we've already shared the fact that that uh, Luke and I are both graduates from the esteemed school of Dallas Theological Seminary, and at it was at DTS that I I played my first game of Catan. Okay, and that that and that blows my mind. You know, I just hadn't heard of it before then. If I'd have heard of it... No, that's not the part that blows my mind. What's that? Did, did, did somebody at DTS put you, push you toward Catan? I, I, okay, before They're finally we getting this, that place cleaned up a little bit, huh? That's good. Before, before, before we get into this, I gotta tell you, the, the, people who, the person who really got me into all these weird games that I'm about to, to mention, uh, it was actually a person who was there for his... Uh, for the doctoral program. There was a special... Uh, summer program for guys who wanted to get either their PhD or their D-min. So they were were adults who worked throughout the entire year and who would take vacation time from their day jobs to spend a week or two or three at DTS studying doctorate-level courses. This one guy would show up every summer. Hmm. And every summer, he would bring a new game with him. Nice. The first game he brought was a game called Ivanhoe. It's a card game about knights and just beating the snot out of each other. We loved it. 
<laughs> after that, after that, he brought another game called uh, what was it? Uh, Princess of Florence. Oh, was another that game one. that he. Princess of Florence is another game that he brought, and that one that one took a little more getting into. But once we got into it, man, we were hooked. So after a couple summers of this, we asked him, "Where do you get this stuff?" Because we're we had no idea. Because sadly, and we've talked about this outside of the podcast, Luke, the, the friendly neighborhood game store is getting harder and harder and harder to find. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm an hour away. There's one that's by me, and unless you're playing Warhammer, it's useless. Right. So it, it's it. We were struggling to find this stuff. We're like, this is amazing. So he pointed out a website to us, and I swear that if we don't put this link on the website, we are doing a disservice. This to has got to be Board Game Geek. No, that's no. another good one. That's another good one. We should put that one up there too. But the one that he pointed me to was a, a collection of games called FunAgainGames.com. Okay. And it's it's well it's it's it, the actual website is just FunAgain.com. And it is this, it's the motherload. <laughs> it's card games, it's board games, it's party games, it's ridiculousness, it's collecting dice, it's puzzles, it's everything a geek could ever possibly want to do to spend uh, a boring Saturday. It, it's there and available to you. So most of my games have come from that site, and I love those people, and maybe someday one of them will hear about this and send us free stuff because they're awesome. That would be cool. <laughs> All right, so talk to me about Settlers of Catan. What kind of game is it? How does it play? Who likes this kind of game? Settlers of Catan is like Monopoly on steroids. All right, I Uh, hadn't thought about it that way, but it totally is. It's Monopoly on steroids set on an island, and it's the island of Catan. And the great thing I love about this game is, is that the board is never the same twice. The board is made up of these individual tiles that represent different resources and you have to build up your little, your little towns and your little villages and roads connecting them to make sure that you have the, enough resources to build your little Catan empire to get points. And usually it's up to about 10 points and then you win. First person to get there wins. Right. Now, and so each one of these tiles uh, gives you a, a particular resource Mm-hmm. It also gives out that resource based on a die roll. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, each tile will have a number between 2 and 12, the, the possible numbers that you can get on 2d6. And obviously, if a tile has a 7, actually 7, there are no tiles with 7, but if a tile has <laughs> a, a 6 or an 8, uh, it is most likely to come up. Whereas if a tile has a 12, it's probably, you need naked. You need uh, double sixes. Not going to come up. You're hurting to get those. And so at the beginning of the game, the setup of the game, there is a strategic moment in which you place your first um, cities. And, or actually, I think you start off, you place your first villages. First little villages, yeah. And so the game starts off, and as the game moves on, you're trying to get these resources because unlike in monopoly where to buy a ho- uh, hotel hotels houses <laughs> hotels has it been that long it has it has <laughs> uh, unlike in monopoly to buy a house you use use money well in this game you're going to use a combination of resources you might need three bricks and two wheat and uh, i think there's some sheep and some wood and uh, some coal and so to do that 
you might have to, and here's the cool part, you might have to trade. This is where I think these boutique games do something that the board games that we played growing up with don't do. And that is there's a social interaction to these games. Maybe your land, you don't have any sheep. And doesn't, you're never going to get sheep. It doesn't matter what the die roll is. So you have to trade for those. Well, of course, your opponents may or may not want to trade with you based on how well you're doing in the game. And there, there's actually, you actually develop strategies and how you're going to do this. Okay, do I go for brick and wood because I need roads early? Or do I go for, for ore and wheat because at some point I need to build cities? And you just see guys like coming up with these epic strategies, and everybody played it different. Uh, we had guys who came up with all sorts of different theories. If you got longest road, you win. Or if, if the man with the most soldiers ends up winning. And you, we started having epic competitions with this game, which is actually part of the whole deal, because there are guys who be, got such a reputation for being just complete, I don't know how to say it without sounding angry and mean on a podcast set for Christians. But, <laughs> I mean, you have a reputa- guys that get reputations for being swindlers. And so so people playing with them didn't want to, to trade with them. And so you have these epic tense moments where guys are like, I, I don't want to do this. I, I know what they'll, ah, I need to. And you, you see this moment of just giving in. And it, it's all the interaction of, of guys playing this game and dealing with, you know, reputations and dealing with just the the, the fact that they need each other. Because there's at some point that you're never going to have everything you need. Right. So you you have absolutely to, have to trade. You have to deal with each other. Can you imagine? I, 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 I had a SS tribe. Where, did you have any siblings? I have two younger brothers. Yes. Can you imagine if we were 12 years old, 10 years old? trying to play Settlers of Catan with a sibling, my sister and I would have killed each other. There's just no question about it. We would have killed each other. Mom, he's not giving me any bricks. This is how it would go. <laughs> no, well, I have to say that playing with a bunch of seminary students, we had a bunch it's of guys It's not all that who, different. <laughs> it's not all that different, really. Uh, you saw guys who got... If there's one thing I discovered at my time at seminary, and it could just be the school that I went to, but I'm pretty confident that it's a common thread in a lot of different schools like this, that these guys are type A, very powerful personalities. They're very, you know, in their face. This is the goal I need to accomplish. I will make it happen. And so when you put them in a situation where their goal, you, you give them the goal, you have to get 10 points to win. They will push, and they will push, and they will push until they have 10 points. <laughs> and sometimes other people are pushing in the opposite direction, and it gets ugly. <laughs> Just remember that, folks, on Sunday morning when you're sitting and you're watching your pastor. No, at some point during seminary, he may have swindled <laughs> Mike Perna <laughs> to win <laughs> Settlers of Catan. There were guys who I will not name that them. Just slightly for- different light. I will not name them just because, you know, the whole, you know, are the names have been changed to protect the innocent, or in this in this case, the guilty. What happens in the basement stays in the basement. Exactly. But there were guys, we had to create special rules when they were playing. There were a complete set of rules that were named for this one guy, 
because he kept trying to change the rules to get his own way. So we had certain rules that had to be established just when he was playing. All right. So, Mike, talking about Settlers of Catan, let's, let's see if we can figure out a way to, uh, to kind of rate this for the folks. Uh, let's, go with, let's go with first fun. Uh, Settlers of Catan is infinitely fun. I, it, I don't know how high we want to go with this, but I will go with whatever the maximum number we set for it is. Yeah, we'll just... Relative terms. All right. How about replayability? Okay. Replayability is, is infinite. Like I said, the board is never the same place, tw- never the same way twice. You, you literally deal, you deal out the board. And so it's different every time. So you, I, I, there have been marathon sessions where my buddies and I would play four and five games at a time, and it's never, it changes every time. All right. Now, how about learning curve? Learning Curve, it isn't bad. It's not the kind of game that you can just, you know, passively, I'm just going to do this. and You can play it that way, and you will be destroyed. Because the people who know what they're doing will walk all over. Uh, however, the actual technical aspects of the game, the I'm going to sit down and learn how to play, pretty simple. So I would say it's kind of a medium range as far as the Learning Curve goes. Alright. Mike, you know where I play Settlers of Kid 10 today? These days? On Xbox? On Xbox. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You want to play Settlers of Catan with me? I'm Luke Navarro uh, on Xbox. Yes, I should have a more fancy moniker, but I don't. Oh, I do. I do. And I also play Settlers of Catan. I'm Cyrano59. Yes, you're also higher ranked than I am on Settlers of Catan, by the way. That's annoying. But, hey, what are you going to do? What can I say? You know, I had the opportunity to play Settlers of Catan with guys all over the world. I, I do that. <laughs> All right, so you gave what I think is probably the prototype of boutique board game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to jump in now with I th- what it. I think is the prototype of boutique card games. Now, you Fantastic. might think I'm going to say magic. I'm not. Magic's hard. Oh, the learning curve on magic is ridiculous. Right. The card game that I love that we play the most in my house is Munchkin. I love it! I, I love, love the fact- Munchkin. And it kind of connects to our show last week, too. Last Absolutely. week we talked about Dungeons and & Dragons and, and Munchkin is a... It's in the same milieu. Right? It is a, a deck-building game where uh, you basically play as a character, and you can have anywhere between two and, I don't know, eight or so players. So, really, the game is best played with at least three. And as each turn rolls around, you uh, can play cards that represent maybe your character's race, your character's class, equipment you're going to give your character. All of these things give your character more power, or special abilities, these kind of things. And as each turn rolls around, the long and the short of it is you try to fight a monster. A monster you either play from your hand or a monster you draw from the deck. Now here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> Everyone else can jump into the fight. On either side. And so somebody who maybe wants you to die might, instead of giving you the special powerful sword elixir thing that makes you strong, give it to the monster. To, uh, well, to screw you. That's, uh, that's pretty much the goal. 
there's and no other way to say it. There's no other way to say it. In fact, I think it's actually the game term. Um, and you can also then have that social interaction where you say, whoa, this monster that just came up is way too strong for me. I don't want to die right now. And so I'm going to try to enlist the help of the other players. And, of course, then you're going to have to barter for uh, treasures and that kind of thing. Uh, maybe for future favors, maybe for a <laughs> foot massage later, whatever the case might be in your particular house. Uh, to some Someday I will ask a favor of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this, this favor may never come. <laughs> uh, and to, fight, to defeat that creature. And every time you defeat a creature, more or less, you gain one level and you're trying to get to uh, level, I think, 10. Okay, I do have to jump in on that one, though, because to give everybody who's listening a, ch- a chance to really understand the ridiculousness of this game, th- this the way Luke is describing it makes it sound like it's a very serious endeavor. It's not. <laughs> Let me tell you about some of the monsters that are in there, because I've played Munchkin a ton, and some of them, you have, like, uh, monsters like the gazebo, uh, the insurance salesman. Um, what's another one? You have You have curses, like... Like the duck, and the whole the whole flavor text of the card says you should know better than to pick up a duck in a dungeon. <laughs> I mean, this this whole game is just making fun of itself, and that's half the fun of it. It is, and all of the equipment, everything is is very sort of tongue in cheek, so so innuendo filled. So if you're not into that, avoid this. Avoid this. <laughs> um, you know, but. Just an awful lot of fun, and really, really, in the end, simple to play. Because it really is just about adding up math. One side has a certain score, and you try to add up your score to to beat them on any given round. And so, while it might seem complex when you look at it, first, certainly the first time I read the rules, I thought, what, there's no way my wife is going to play this game. As it actually plays out, super easy, super fun. You'll be laughing like crazy, and uh, so yeah, that's uh, Munchkin. All right, Luke. I think we have to go through, you know, to do uh, it yes. justice. All right, let's do it. We got to put it through the similar rubric. Uh, all right, what was the first one? The first one was fun. How much fun do you have playing Munchkin? Uh, this is a giggle fest. <laughs> it is a giggle fest. It's not the same kind of fun as as Catan. Because Catan is like, all right, we're having this competition. Let's do this thing kind of fun. This is just like, hey, we're just playing, you know? And just having fun, jokes, that kind of thing. Nice. All right, what about replay? Uh, The replay factor is huge, especially considering there are like, I don't know, 18 bazillion add-on decks now for Munchkin. Yeah, and, I just saw I just saw one earlier today. It was a Western one. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Munchkin. Yeah, and they're they're Western and vampire and zombie and uh, probably science fiction and just every which kind you can have. And they have no problem with you mixing all those genres. So they act, no, they actually created a separate thing that you can get called Munchkin Blender, which is full of cards that will help you mix these things together. You you could be sitting around your dinner table, using your vampiric uh, cape to swat, you know, an Indian. <laughs> How very just twilightish, like, huh? Just huh. like we've always dreamed. <laughs> oh, did, do not invoke twilight. Really? Did that just happen? It did. 
hey, I had to watch that movie. I'm going to make fun of it forever. Can, can if we I make, had to waste make... an hour and a half watching this film, I, I get the right to use it to make a joke whenever I would like. All right, I'm just going to make a thing out there because because the fact that we're we're having all these outdoor things, all these outside things, these Facebooks and all sorts of websites, all like that. I mean, we're going to get people listening. And can I just make a declaration right now? And hopefully, years from now, we'll point back to this and say that it, we were we were hugely successful. Can we make Game Store Profits a Twilight Free Zone? Can I? Can we ban sparkly vampires from Game Store Profits? Can we make that happen? I suppose. I, it's hard not to make fun of sparklies, though. It's true. But I will restrain I love- myself for the sake of the greater good. <laughs> I love how anti-Twilight has been now deemed the greater good. Oh, <laughs> this is clear. This is clear. <laughs> All right. Getting back to it, the last little thing of our rubric is, uh, what's the learning curve for Munch? I think the learning- mentioned it, but... I think the learning curve is pretty low. I actually think it's a pretty easy game to get into. All right, Luke, one thing that we talked about uh, kind of around the way in getting to here was talking about the games that really... We picked two good ones, two classic ones. Uh, are there any game... Is there any game out there, either a card game or a board game, that has really, like, affected you? Has really, no matter how often you play it, you know, if you find it in a closet somewhere, your eyes will go wide. Is there any game that has stuck with you that has just really impacted you? I have a game that comes to mind, but I'm not sure if it fits the category, so you'll have to tell me. Okay. And if not, I have a backup. Outstanding. All right. And the game is Battletech. Nice. Is that a board game, or is it a war game? That'll work. All right. There we go. Uh, And and actually, uh, the the backup game I had is a card game called uh, uh, Panzer General. Nice. Both of these... Uh, actually come from the same point in my life, and that is uh, I had an uncle who was a gamer. And I was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old. And they, my aunt and uncle, took us, took me, to uh, Mammoth Mountain to go skiing for the week. Well, we get to Mammoth Mountain, and that night there is like this snowstorm to end all snowstorms. Like, seriously, we couldn't even open the front door. Hmm. And so we're here, right? It's myself and my younger cousins, so probably like, I don't know, an eight and ten year old kid stuck in a little mountain cabin with these two adults. This could have been very unpleasant. But my uncle pulls out all of these games and he starts to teach us how to play. He started with Panzer General and then he started teaching us how to play Battletech. Now, Battletech is. It's a tabletop war game, so it really does sort of skirt the edge of board games. It does technically play it on a board, so I guess in that sense it is a board game. But uh, you play as a mech, uh, and, and I think everybody probably has a conception of what a mech is. I actually think that uh, this was the first real mech game. There were a few kind of mechs in in uh, Japanese manga at the time, but this was this was sort of the birth of the mech experience, and uh, you drive this thing around the board, and you try to defeat the opposing team. It's a, a heavily dice-driven game, it's a very strategic game, and as a, I think really in my junior high time, it was huge for me and my friends. 
Uh, it was what introduced me to the Friendly Local Game Store. It was the reason I went into the game store the first time was to take my friends and say, hey, let's buy this game and let's play it in our garages. And over the summer, we'd have one of our buddies who their parents just didn't park the car in the garage, and we would set up this massive game board over the entire bottom of their garage, and we'd each take on a corner with our couple of mechs, and we'd have these huge battles that would just last and persist through the entirety of the summer break. You know, just piles and piles of pizza and Taco Bell and soda and dice and... Oh man, it was a it was the time of my life uh, for a twelve year old. Awesome. All right, man. So, did you have a game? I think I have I have an idea what you're going to say, but do you have a game that was for you? I doubt that, that you will. I I honestly doubt that you will name the games that because you got two. I'm gonna name two. All right. Uh, one that's from my childhood, and one that was not necessarily from my childhood, but has really just latched on as one of my favorite games to play ever. The one from my childhood is a game that is no longer in print. Yeah. It's a game called Hero Quest. Why is this game not in print? I, Somebody's got to come along and I, I, I well, look the huge boom in board games and we don't have Hero Quest. Hero we Quest costs like $300 because there's like nine people who have a copy left. Yeah, and if you go on eBay, he's not that's not hyperbole either. If you go on eBay right now, the cheapest one you'll find is over $100. That's the cheapest one. And as much as I love this game, I can't spend that money on a board game. But the reason that people can sell it for that much and the reason that somebody out there is probably willing to buy it for that much was because it was just such a great game. It combined just a, just a straight board game with, you know, all sorts of fantasy stuff. And you're, you're going through and there are four different characters that you can play. And it got to the point where my dad would be the one running the game. My dad would be all the bad guys, and we would be the good guys. My bro- my two brothers and I, and then we'd take turns uh, saying who would be responsible for the fourth good guy. And we'd, we'd be fighting over who was going to be who, and I almost always picked the dwarf because he's the coolest one, as we determined last episode. It's good to dwarf. know it's been a long-held love. Dwarves are awesome. Going back to HeroQuest, you, you're basically going through this dungeon, and you're finding treasure, and it was cool because you'd actually find physical treasure. You'd pop open a physical treasure chest, take out a little weapon, and put it into your figure, and that would mean that you equipped your little figure with this t- with this weapon, often like a sword or a hammer, and it was cheesy, like gold plastic. And it, But, you know, when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, it's the coolest thing ever. And uh, w- it was great because we'd spend days playing hero quest we would beg my dad to play hero quest with us and uh, it was just such a good time there was was always going to be a place in my heart because my brothers and i are completely opposite people now that we've grown up now that we're all adults we're so different and playing hero quest reminds me of the time when my you know my brothers and i were pretty much the same that Mm -hmm. we were all just a, a bunch of nerdy kids sitting around a table playing this game with our dad so Hero Quest is always, you know, someday down the line when I have more money, I might just suck it up and get it on eBay because Hero Quest will always have a special place in my heart. I have to believe that at some point somebody's going to reproduce this game. I 
We'll put out a call. We'll we'll call people. We'll make it happen. Let's get a petition going up on the website or something. Yes, because internet petitions work. Oh, so well. <laughs> All right. All right, Mike. I, I remember Hero Quest. I didn't play it nearly as much as you. I think I had like a jacked up, janky garage sale version of the game. Nice. Uh, but I still remember it fondly as well. So, what was your second game? The second game is a card game. And it's one that I actually found surfing through Fun Again games because the greatest thing about card games to me is that we were complaining about how board games are expensive and you don't know if you want to get into it because you don't want to throw down like 50 or 60 bucks on a game that might not be that good. Card games, you can get a card game for 12 bucks. Unless it's Magic the Gathering. Unless it's, unless it's one of the... No, I'm not talking about the ones where you have to buy pack after pack after pack, which escalates into box after box after box. Sadly, I did that, and there's a stack of cards in my basement that will go on eBay that will hopefully make me back some of the money that I wasted on that stupid game. Yes, I, I want you to understand something, folks. I played Magic the Gathering when it was still in... I forget what they called it at the time, but basically beta. Yeah, I, I had the ones with the black borders. Yeah, baby. And my mom and dad threw them away. <laughs> I think I've still got them somewhere. But oh, I, yes. who knows? To pay off the college loans. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you have the right ones. I did. Did uh, I probably? Well, I, I had a ridiculous amount. Of, uh, I, we're getting off subject here. We're I gotta do tell that you, a Luke, lot, that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be another episode right there. Getting rid, you know, ha- you know. Finding the comic book stash that got thrown away years later. Yeah, I I had Spider Man number three. Oh, got thrown okay. away. We need to stop talking about that because we could have a sob fest. I would I would join with you in my at, at, on that my one. at at Walker. Oh, stop oh, it, oh, I'm still sad about that one. All right, all right, all right. So listen, listen, listen. We have geeked out enough. Let your me get card back game. To, your card yes, game. What was it? It is a game called Once Upon a Time. Okay, I don't know that one. Luke, if I explain this game to you, and you don't rush out to a store or to some website and buy it, I will be honestly surprised. It is a game called Once Upon a Time, and it is fantastic. It is a storytelling card game. That sounds interesting. One more time for you to get the full effect of it. It is a storytelling card game. I'm I'm actually, the reason I'm barely paying attention to you is because I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Once Upon a Time is a game where everyone is dealt cards. There's a Depending on how many people are playing, you're dealt a certain number of cards and you're given one extra card, which is called the end line. So everyone is given a handful of cards and an end line. The goal is to get rid of every card in your hand and, and end your story with the end line. So the cards that you receive are things like, you know, your basic storytelling techniques, you know, or not techniques. This but, is uh, awesome. Uh, uh, different person, people, places, things, actions, adjectives, all that stuff. And eat, you get, so you have cards that say things like a castle or, you know, an old woman. Or one of my favorite ones is this animal can talk. That's actually one of the cards. And the the whole time you're just telling a story. You're not given a plot. You're not given characters. You're given cards. And you have to tell a story. 
bring that story to your end line, playing the cards as you mention them. So say you have the old woman card, you tell a story, and that you know, and you, then you say, and then she met an old woman. And as soon as you play an old woman card, that you, you play cards and you play cards. Now, as you're telling your story, other people are keeping track of your story and looking at their cards. Because if you mention something that's on their cards, they get to steal the story. Oh, interesting. Now, the thing that gets crazy is, is that everyone's trying to tell a story, but like I said at the beginning of this, everyone has their own end line. And they're not the same. Most of the end lines don't have anything to do with other end lines. So you have to not only tell your story and get rid of all your cards, you have to make the story make sense with your end line. Hmm. And so you get a bunch of people just taking the story to all these weird places, and cards aren't even being played because you're telling stories. The reason that this game has become so awesome and so just just clutches at my heartstrings is because of the fact that it's not even about playing the game after a while. It's about telling the stories. The Again, I got this one, I was introduced to it while I was at seminary, so I was playing with a bunch of people at seminary. And it was myself and my buddy Wes, and Wes and I were just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, taking the story from each other, and he'd take it back from me, and we'd just be going back and forth. And at one point, I stole the story from him, and I stopped, because it wasn't just Wes and I playing. There were about seven of us playing this game. Wes and I were the only ones who got to do anything. And at one point, I stopped, and I said, guys, I, I really hope you, you know, I don't want this to be boring for you. I don't want you to, to have, you know, lose track of what's going on or anything like that. And as I'm trying to apologize for having it not be entertaining for the people who aren't playing, my one friend looked at me and said, shut up and get back to the story. <laughs> and and even at that moment, we, you know, we're, we're, we do this for a bit longer, and then we're watching, and this girl who hadn't played a single card plays one, steals the story, plays another, and another, and another, and another, and her story's making sense, and it's going as it's supposed to go. And Wes and I are just looking at each other going, I got nothing. I can't stop her. And she just goes and goes and goes, and she ended up winning. After Wes and I spent like a half hour going back and forth, she ended up winning. And one thing that I love about this game is it didn't matter. Right, it's about the experience. It was about being with these people, watching the story start literally from nothing, and then watch this story unfold. It's the coolest game ever. I would highly recommend everybody going out and buying it. Uh, if you really get excited about it, there's actually one called like Nightmares Tales. You can get it uh, with some darker stuff like trolls and bad stuff. I actually, I actually uh, wrote out some. I got some blank cards and I made a steampunk version. Oh, very cool. Um, with with different things like like you know obviously like goggles and brass and mechanical men and things like that. That you can do that, and it's it's all part of this game, and it's fantastic. It sounds like the kind of game that can really draw people out as well. Maybe people oh, who are a little bit shy or a little bit just just not wanting to get into the social scene of playing a game. It sounds like the kind of experience that can really pull people into playing games. It, it really is. I, I I do give a caveat to it um, because. 
it's not the only experience. I've not had just positive experiences playing this game. I've come to the conclusion that you have to get people who don't care about winning. Hmm. Because if you're with a group of people who really just want to win, this game is awful. It is painful, and it is a laborious process by which basically you have guys who say, there was a troll, and he had a dog, and that dog was big, and this happened the end. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, I think that that actually kind of gets into maybe a topic of discussion. mm -hmm. And that is, are these games meant to be won, or are they meant to be played? Don't get me wrong, you want to win. Anytime you engage in a any kind of co- competitive type experience, we all want to win. But I think the games that that sort of evoke the you're going to use any kind of tricks or quick paths or whatever you can to get to be the winner, they're not good games. No, I I, I would agree 100 percent on that one. Um, this I I've always felt that as we go through the story this this uh, podcast that the podcast will always start out with us just geeking out over things and then moving into the deeper stuff, which is kind of how the last one did, and I think that that's a trend that, you know, I, I, I'm not speaking out of turn. I think you feel it the same way, no, too. I absolutely do. And I think anybody who's listening is going to feel that. Like, Well, like, and that's, that's why we're doing this, is to say absolutely. that the stuff that we do, the stuff we play, the stuff we love has meaning. It's not just stuff to waste time. No, Don't absolutely give me, you not. Can, you can burn a lot of time doing it, but... Mm. No, value. The, these these games, um, it's it's not. It can't be about winning, because if it's about winning, you're gonna you're gonna get tired of it. You're gonna actually end up hating it. And there are times when, not because of the game, but because of the people playing, I have actually stepped away from playing games because they've made it about winning. That becomes painful, actually. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. It you, you know, especially become... because these games aren't perfect. They can all no. forgive forgive the little pun here, but every game can be gamed. Yeah, and then you know it's it's kind of like nobody wanted to play with the kid who cheated at Monopoly, <laughs> even though we all know how to cheat at Monopoly, right? And, especially if you're the banker. Yeah, and that's just not fun, and. The reason my, I wanted to talk about board games today was to talk about this idea of play. And to talk about this idea of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I've had some of my best bonding experience over games. Both board games and then also a lot of video games. Oh, yeah. And there's just something about it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and you're sitting around a table, and there's, there's snacks everywhere, and there's, you know, you're kind of just hanging out. You're just playing with your friends. And, yeah, of course, we did all that when we were kids. But I still want to play with my friends. Mm-hmm. And that's still valuable. And there's a word for that. It's called fellowship. It's time spent together. It's life spent together. And games give us this, this nucleus around which we can build those relationships. And especially a game like this one that you're describing. I mean, I am, I'm going on vacation next week. I'm going to spend a week and a half with my family. I am seriously considering buying this game and going and playing with my family. Because, you know, when you're in this place with people who 
you know, and who relationship comes easy. Uh, this could be the kind of game that can just, you know, deepen that relationship, even relationships that I've had for my entire life. Well, it 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 really forces you to the the one thing that I I always say that uh, if if I was forced into a decision from one or the other, video games or board games and card games. As much as I love video games, as much as I spend a significant amount of time when I can playing these games, I will always side with board and card games because it takes away the disconnect of someone is not in the same place with that as as much as we're playing this game and we're having fun and there's you know due to headphones and headsets and all that fun stuff you can talk to somebody else but there's something about being across the table from somebody there's something about about the situation you had like the the wasteland that is a table filled with doritos and mountain dew right the the and, the explosions of joy or pain that happen depending on how the dice fall oh absolutely and it's not even just your own stuff that you're going on Oh no! If it's a good game and a good group, you're just there, as into everybody else's play. There are times uh, to bring back the game we brought up at the very beginning was Settlers of Catan. There are times when you just know if I roll anything but a seven, I win this game. Right. And everyone is watching those dice, and you'll be rolling, and then that seven hits, and just the shouts. Of joy and pain as that seven hits, and you realize that you you just had your victory taken from you, and you know everyone's like, "Oh, I can't believe it! He can't, he can't believe it rolled a seven. You know, you don't. It, that's amazing. That's what life is about. That being together through watching somebody succeed, watching somebody fail. That being together in that." That's something that you, you can't manufacture. It's something that you can only experience. And you're never going to experience it anywhere as, as regularly and as real as you do playing games with each other. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that there's a reason why people have been playing games forever. And, I, you know, when I was thinking about this show, right, and, and I kind of try to think about these shows before we do them, though we do kind of, as people can probably tell by now, we are kind of going off the cuff a little bit. Um, I kind of stopped and I thought about all of those people I know who would say, why are you wasting your time playing a game? Mm. That's kid stuff. You're an adult now. Grow up. I, you know what? If that's growing up, I don't want to. Because as much as I believe that we need to work together, as much as I believe that we need to to serve together, I think we need to play together. And I think anybody who spent any time in a group of friends, in a congregation, knows that as much time as we spend hanging out together on a Sunday morning, it's really the time that you spend Outside. at the bowling party, at the picnic, at the whatever that really brings you together and forms a community and makes a church, not just a congregation. And, oh, yeah. You know, I I love the times that we've spent in our church when we had game nights or when we do block parties. We're playing together. And every time we play together, we draw closer. And, I, you know, I still believe that that is the best way 
to forge a relationship. It's not to sit down and have in-depth conversations. It's not even, dare I say, to do discipleship. The best way to form relationships is to play. Well, I I agree with you, and at the same point, I don't with that whole idea of you know discipleship. I think the way you you were defining it, I agree with you. I agree that there's either that whole the 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 stuff that we do when people say the word discipleship. I, I agree that there's more to it than that. Um, but at the same point, uh, there was actually like a, there was a movie that came out not that long ago that was talking about the life of Christ. And it showed him really just messing around with the disciples. You know, there's it, it. It got a, a a lot of just interesting commentary about the fact that it had scenes where Jesus was like wrestling with Peter and messing around with the disciples. And a lot of times we 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 get this image, whether we try to or not, we get this image of a Christ who is very you know very somber and very quiet and very you know yes, my son, let's do this and. And oh yes, let me let me speak to you this parable over here. There's huge portions of time that are not written about. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of John, he even John even says lots of other stuff happened that aren't <laughs> written in this book. He flat out says it. And I I have to think that during those times Christ was living with the disciples. And the disciples were living with him. And I'm sorry, you travel with a bunch of guys over long stretches of time, over long stretches of, of road. Eventually, you're going to play Slugbug. It's going to happen. You, you mess around with them. As different as we are culturally from that time and place, there's some aspect of our lives that are not that different. Well, and I, you know, I think about how many times we see Jesus at parties. Oh, yeah. Now, we can't necessarily say, and folks, we are true to Scripture here, you can't necessarily say there was a lot of game playing going on at those parties, but there probably was. Oh, well, you look at at the the celebration of weddings. Weddings back then were not a, oh, look, we're going to have this lovely time at the church, and then we're going to have this reception, and then everyone's going to go home. No, no. No, no. Days were spent partying. These were festivals. You know, they weren't just, uh, they weren't even just a party, though. It was, this was like, you move in level oh, yeah. party. And so, when you get that kind of extended time hanging out, spending time with each other, uh, there there will be a combination of moments that are, are focused on teaching, and let me explain this to you, and as you go about your life together, let me show you from what I've learned. But a lot of it is also going to be... You know, hey, buddy, let's, you know, do this thing over here. Let's play music. Let's, you know, tell stories. Let's play games. That's got to be a part of it because that's that's part of life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, well, Mike, we have a way to play together, or at least we will, <laughs> in the relatively near future. Not exactly a board game, though, hey, if you want to play some board games with me again, Xbox Live, Luke Navarro, what was your... Zero fifty nine C Y R A N O fifty nine. There you go. But we have another way that in the very near future we could possibly be playing together. And Mike, since you came up with it, tell us what it is. Well, after we got our first uh, episode recorded, after we got our, uh, our folks, everything, kind you, of- you got to understand something. We do this late, 
and it's late for me, and I'm on the Pacific Coast. Mike's on the Atlantic Coast. It's like <laughs> it's like serious middle of the night. Let me let thinking me set here the- happening. Okay. Okay, since Luke brought this up, let me set the tone for those of you playing our home game. It was about two in the morning for me. <laughs> and we had been geeking out. Only good like, things happen at two in the morning. We were geeking out for like four hours. And at some point, I looked at Luke and said, Luke, by the way, have you seen the newest videos for Star Wars Old Republic? And he had. And but before long, we were both staring at the videos found on the website talking about different things, talking about the fact that both of us desperately wanted to play this game, what classes we were going to play. What we would name our characters. This was important. Absolutely. And um, we pretty much decided that, well, we were going to make a guild. We were not even out yet, folks, but that doesn't matter. We, it, it came about because I was looking through and I said, oh my goodness, there's like 400,000 guilds already and the game hasn't even come out yet. And immediately that clicked that we needed to have one. We wanted a place where those of you who are listening to us right now, if you're ending up going to be playing Star Wars Old Republic, that we could play this game together. That we could share the experience of geeking out and share the experience of playing this game and we'd all have fun doing it, and we'd all be in the same guild, and we'd join together doing it. Thus, was born. Alia, Alia Emporia Profite, which is basically game store profits in Latin. Sort of, kind of. Because we're that geeky. Uh, was born. So if you, if you go, uh, I'm sure we're going to have links to this it all This is going to be a rebel guild. So that's important. Absolutely. We're going to be the good guys, man. Good and, guys? Uh, oh, I, that philosophical conversation that we will have another day. Oh, that's that's several different discussions. Oh, that, there we go. Um, we now have a next episode. Absolutely. We always try to make sure that we have material for future episodes. This will definitely be part of it. Uh, but we were, we, it went down to simple things like, like, oh, man, I can't wait to play a Jedi. And Luke. Smuggler. Luke said, I I have to play a smuggler. I can't play anything else. I have to be a smuggler. So, if you're like us and you want to be a Jedi, you want to be a trooper, you want to be a smuggler, and you're like, wow, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet up with anybody who who shares my common interest, check us out. We'll have plenty of links going on. We'll have plenty. We'll mention it a couple times, especially as the uh, game starts being released. And Actually, Luke, as we were prepping for to get things started tonight, you actually gave me information that I didn't have, which is the pre-orders are now going out. They are, and as a matter of fact, EA said it was the fastest pre-order ever for the first five days. Which is saying something, because now that they've started giving stuff out when you pre-order things, pre-orders are pretty are pretty big deal. But that also goes to say something about the level of ridiculousness that this game has built up behind it. The fact that people have been dying for a solid, well-built Star Wars MMO. Uh, oh, don't, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> I was a Galaxies player. I was about to say, Galaxies was a big, huge steaming turd in the, in the, in the world of online gaming. And people have been hungry for a well-built Star Wars game. In fact, I would say that, that playing 
Star Wars Galaxies, and I played at the beginning, folks, not when it became, before it became the, uh, what'd you call it, a big old steaming turd. Uh, <laughs> I think it was one of my most profound video game experiences. We'll leave that for another show, but the kind of relationship that can happen in a MMO guild also has the potential to be one of those sort of unique relationships, one of those unique experiences that you get because you're a gamer that most of the world doesn't understand. And don't get me wrong, it can go horribly, horribly wrong. I've been in some really terrible guilds. But it can also be pretty amazing. It can also be an incredible time for ministry. And uh, so we'll talk about that, I think, as uh, the game gets a little bit closer. I'm sort of kind of hoping that it doesn't actually release when everybody thinks it will. I would like (laughs) it to release sometime after Christmas. Because if it releases sometime after Christmas... I can ask for the super special limited edition <laughs> version of the game. Because and... geeks need their toys. That's true. No, but uh, just to kind of, to again, end things up by uh, talking more about the, 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 the spiritual aspect of this stuff. Um, this idea of gaming together, this idea of coming together, it's, if there's one thing that I've figured out, it's that We've been built for community. And that, that gets spread around a lot when you talk about in churches and everything like that. But I, I want to share with you something that, that really affected me. Uh, one of my professors brought this up, and it literally changed the way I view ministry. The reason why we talk about these board games, the reason why we talk about these card games, the reason why we're going to do this, this guild on Old Republic is because we were designed for this. We were designed to be together in this. When you look at the creation, when you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, before Eve shows up, you just have Adam. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just me and my relationship with God. I, I, you know, other people can, you know, I can take or leave them, but it's, it's about me and my relationship with God. And as my professor pointed out, he goes, if you and you only and your relationship with God was all that mattered, why did Eve happen? If it's just you and your relationship with God, why did God, before sin happened, before sin tainted everything, when it was just Adam and God walking in the cool of the evening, why did God look at Adam and say, it is not good for man to be alone? There was no sin, there was no separation, and it still was not good for man to be alone. If before sin, we were supposed to be in community. How much more so, now that we mm. are dealing with sin, not only you know our own sins, but communal sins and the sin that has tainted everything that we see, feel, and, ta- and, and experience, how much more so is it that we need to be in community? And Luke, you can, I, I'd definitely love to hear what you have to say about something like that to kind of wrap us up. I think that... If there's nothing else to games, it's that you're sitting two feet away from somebody who presumably you care about and who cares about you. And anything that we can do that's going to have us spend time together without all of the other stuff, and let's face it, we all have a lot of stuff, and I'm using the word stuff 
And we all know I don't mean stuff. <laughs> we just put all that aside and just spend time together. Folks, that's what we'll be doing for eternity. We'll be spending time together. We'll be spending time with God. And those moments of connection are what life is about. All the other stuff, it doesn't matter. What matters is how connected are you to each other. And ultimately, when we connect to each other, we connect to God. And that's why I play games. Sure, there may be a thousand other reasons to do it. But I play games so that I can be there with my friends, with my loved ones. I can look across the table at them. I can see them smiling. I can hear them laughing. And remember, this is life. It's a, it's a chance to be seated at the table with a bunch of people who are just as broken and busted up as you are. And sometimes you'll win, sometimes you'll lose, but in the end, everybody ends up laughing and talking about how much fun we had over the past couple of hours. Yeah. And really, that's just amazing. And if that's not an image of life, I don't know what it is. Absolutely. All right, folks, we want you to come and uh, hang out with us. We're, we're going to continue to add new ways to do that right now. You can come to GameStoreProfits.com, and from there, eventually you'll be able to find all of the things that we're doing, how you can play with us, how you can hang out with us, how you can talk with us. You can go to Facebook and uh, search for Game Store Profits. We'd be really, really thrilled if you would like us and help uh, build that community there. This, this, is, this is definitely going to be about community. It's not just Luke and I geeking out. Uh, as we said from the, in the first episode, this is about building a community where people who are geeks who love Jesus can come together and realize that we're not weird. Well, we are weird, but in a good way. In a good way. We're not, you know, freaks who hang out and, you know, just, you know, are isolated and alone. We are together in this. That we have a place to be together in this as we walk and be part of the body of Christ. So both on a spiritual level and on even the, the pragmatic level of getting this podcast together, we need your guys' help to make this as good as we want it to be. We have dreams and aspirations, but at the same point, we're busy, and we don't necessarily have the time to plan out everything. So, guys, if you want to hear something, if you want to, if you want to see segments created, if you want to see us do different things, if you want us to have a blog, if you want us to have anything that you want in a podcast, this is how you do it. You you email us, you go to the website, you hit up Facebook, and you tell us, because we want to be here for you guys. And if you guys want something, we will do what we can to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, Mike, I think this was a good show. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for being with us. Thank you for finding this show and, and giving us a shot. And hopefully we will see you next time. But until then, remember, God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice falls, the game plays on.